the Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. The last time a team went to four straight Grey Cups, they actually went to six Grey Cups and they won the last five, the 1977 through 82. Do we call them the Elks or are we allowed to call them in this instance the name under which they were previously known, Derek Taylor? So I approach it this way. I just go Elks all the time because people know what I'm talking about. Uh, if if I feel like I'm slipping, I'll I'll just say uh, Edmonton, but I just I just will not say the old name. I didn't I wasn't in love with it toward the end when I kind of realized oh you know what yeah it does feel bad so yeah I just call them the seventy seven to eighty two Edmonton Elks featuring Warren Moon and friends. I like that because that's the way I approached it for a long time. The Cleveland baseball team, the Washington football team have been part of my vernacular for a long time. That aside. What the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are doing right now is absolutely historical. And for the Blue Bomber fans that don't get that, you can be forgiven because this type of D word doesn't come along very often. Yeah, there's there's debate. Are they a dynasty? Well, it's, it's rapidly getting there. If, if that's That'd be an interesting conversation of what do you need to do to be a dynasty right there were the tens uh calgary stampeders the late tens and the ottawa red blacks were were kind of the same calgary went to a bunch of great cups uh interrupted by you know edmonton in 15 and then but and then they stopped going in 19 ottawa went to three great cups in four years only won one of them so you go okay well that was a great run but that's not really dynastic montreal went to a bunch of great cups consecutively but, uh, you know, won, won a couple. Dynasties are very rare. But when you go to four Grey Cups, if they, if they happen to win a third in four years, um, you're, you're right there. You're right on the verge. Because, I don't know, like, it doesn't have to be like the Ming Dynasty and then 500 years later another one comes along. Uh, as you can tell, I don't know my history. But since 82 was the last time a team went to at least four straight Grey Cups. And before that, it was 1965. Only this is what GMAC twice in our lifetimes that a team has gone to four or more great cups in a row, uh, rapidly approaching dynasty. It's unreal uh, when you think about it and you put it that way. So um, I think I just went on the air there uh, momentarily <laughs> recording in the main studio. So don't let me near anywhere near the technology, Derek Taylor. Uh, so, when we look back on this game, it will be remembered, I think, as many a championship game are, and this is the West Championship after all, a game that was won by the defense. Yeah, it absolutely was. This We talked about in advance of the game, hey, the Bombers have a lot of ways they can win. They can win running the ball, they can win passing the ball, and they can win with defense and special teams. Well, nine sacks of Vernon Adams and a special teams touchdown thanks to Nick Hallett, would, would definitely qualify. And it's just, it's why I, I thought, we talked a few weeks back, like, if if every team is at 100%, to me, the Bombers win the Grey Cup. And that included the Argos. It included the Lions. And neither team in that game was at 100%, but just, they just have so many things at their disposal, right? Like, oh, okay, 
Well, here's Willie Jefferson, who is an absolute destroyer of, of offenses. Oh, by the way, don't forget Jackson Jeffcoat is better at creating pressure than maybe anybody in the Canadian Football League. And oh, by the way, uh, don't forget that they can go to three linebackers with three defensive linemen, and Malik Clements can wrap up a couple sacks, and Kyrie Wilson can cause general havoc, and on and on. And they can cover a little bit, too, with West All-Star Evan Holm uh, making an interception and a massive return. And and the CFL All-Star Demario Houston getting a, an interception. You know. And they have so much at their disposal. And, you know, the offense wasn't amazing. Brady was very, very good. He dominated that opening drive. Uh, but the offense wasn't amazing. Special teams had its problems. Sergio Castillo left a handful of points on the board. And yet they still were never really in trouble against the BC Lions, apart from that one dying second jump ball fluke Justin McKinnis touchdown. I have a feeling this game is going to be won and lost in the secondary. Q quarterback Vernon Adams Jr.'s fantastic game against Calgary uh, as he is involved right now in the middle of his best season ever. However, over the course of his career, he has struggled with consistency. And I think as this game goes on, I think his play is going to slide more and more, and he'll be held to less than 200 yards in the air and throw a pair of picks. Thanks, guys. Deadrick Hansen off the left edge. Here they come, three-man rush. Adams rolls out to his right with six blockers, and he's going to fire this one up into the air. A massive bodies into the end zone for Rhymes and a touchdown. It's caught for the touchdown. It bounced into Justin McKiss's hands. Oh, my goodness. Rhymes was the designated target. It bounced to McKinnis, and it's 18-9 on a miracle play by the Lions. Yeah, so that was really the only point in time we did the halftime show and and in the post game you asked me if there was any point in time where I felt a little nervous. And I think I'm forgiven for feeling as though, oh boy, that could be the turning point because when you look at the things that can change the complexion of a game, it's not always skill. Sometimes it's a fluke penalty. Sometimes it's a fluke play like a Hail Mary or something that just comes off the board from nowhere. Something that you haven't seen in a year, a decade, or ever. And it's been a long time since we've seen a Hail Mary like that completed in the Canadian Football League in an important game. And so that just sort of said to me, oh boy, this game isn't over yet, but what did, the do, what did the Blue Bombers do on the first possession of the second half? Yeah, it was crazy. So Mike O'Shea, uh, they kicked off to, uh, to open the game because BC chose to take the football. O'Shea chose uh, the wind in the fourth quarter and then had to kick off to start the third quarter. And we wondered, oh, well, they just scored. Uh, they, do they, if they have some momentum, what, is this a, what kind of decision is this? Sack, sack, drives over, What Bombers get the ball back, and you go, oh, yeah, no, they're fine. Yep, everything's going to be pretty good. Had BC walked down and scored, okay, now we had something to talk about, but back-to-back sacks, and the drive was over, and the threat seemed to be over at that point as well. It's funny how sometimes there are delineation points like that that are so absolutely perfect so absolutely definable because that's i exactly how i felt after those two sacks it was like okay any momentum they got out of that has already evaporated and just as long as the 
as the Blue Bombers continue to do what they'd been doing, they're going to be fine. Well, one thing that they were unable to do in that second half that they did do in the first half, did Brady have 101 yards rushing in the first half and eight in the second half? Yeah, BC really shut that down, right? There there was a point where he'd gotten back below 100 yards because tackles for a loss and such. And yeah, BC was really able to to turn that away. The The running game, I mean, it's not... It's not preordained, you know, under Brady to get six yards of carry. It was unbelievable. 70 yards in total uh, from Oliveira, 59 rushing on that opening drive, and then a few more. And then after a while, you're like, oh, that's that's like five yards on four carries. Okay, well, this isn't great. Hopefully the rest of it can, can pick it up. But, uh, yeah, BC was able to at least defensively turn the tide a bit. And for the most of the game, I mean, they were able to, to hold down the Bombers' passing game. Gary Peters. Look good as you would expect. Uh, trying to think who took one away from Nick Dembski, uh, if it was Siramon Harrison, Bagiogo, or, or one of the other guys. Maybe it was Quincy Moje or M- Ragamba, excuse me, maybe might have been the one. But yeah, BC's defense came to play in that second uh, second half of that game. Uh, it just their offense uh, through Vernon Adams could not muster anything at all, uh, apart from that jump ball. Like, uh, what was it? It was 24-13, six offensive points other than that jump ball. Yeah, it was really spectacular. Nine sacks of Vernon Adams. Uh, he, nine? Nine. Nine? Nine? Nine, nine <laughs> turnovers in Toronto by Montreal. So nine was the operative number. Nine? Number nine was the operative number on Saturday in the CFL playoffs. And that tied a record. And, you know, when you look at that, aspect it just to me it just exemplified really not just this season but sort of yep andrew harris yep zach caleros yep fill in your blank on all the incredible receivers this team has had over the last four seasons but this defense anchored by Jefferson and Jeff Coat, and we have to talk about Adam Big Hill and Brandon Alexander. Those are sort of the four stalwarts, the consistent stars in this run of four Grey Cups. And Adam Big Hill to go down the way he did. And for Malik Clements, he mentioned him by name earlier. Brian Cole, even Shane Goche to fill in at middle linebacker and in the, give those different looks to Vernon Adams, it's just like, yeah, this is what the Blue Bombers and Richie Hall have been doing for four seasons. I, maybe not four full seasons, DT, but I would say I'm, I'm going, I've been dying on this hill and I'm going to continue to do so. I think everything changed for this Blue Bomber d- defense when they moved Brandon Alexander to safety with about five, six weeks left in the 2019 regular season. Yeah, it's it's a position where teams would normally use a Canadian, right? And and the Bombers went, you know what we can do? We can have six on offense and we can use Jake Thomas. And then now they have Retta Cranby, they go eight Canadians. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you can go, when basically for a while there, their entire back six was American. You go, okay, well, that's that's nice. That's nice. Some teams... Some teams are forced to to put a Canadian there. They they may rather not, but the, the Bombers are just deliriously happy to have Brandon Alexander back, back there patrolling things. And and you think of you know he he's been he's been put to work with some younger guys because the Bombers they spend their money in other spots. They they have to 
go to uh, you know go to free agency and original free agents and young guys to fill up that defensive backfield. But the one constant gets to be Brandon Alexander. Okay, well Dietrich Nichols and D. Alford come in. They're brand new to the CFL. Oh, they're really good. Well, I'm going to help make them better. Evan Holm pops up this year. Uh, he, came, he was here last year, obviously, but he really comes on the screen this year. All right, we're gonna we're gonna help him out and gonna enable him to to do the incredible things he does. Jamal Parker, come on down, right? Desmond Lawrence, you were new to the team late last year. Let's get this all straight, and you're gonna win every jump ball against Dominic Rhymes in a couple of games, and you're gonna help us uh, get to the Grey Cup game. Yeah, uh, BA is just just a rock. And when you if you've met him, you know, as a fan, if you hadn't signed an autograph, if you talk to him in the media, you go. This is the guy you never want to let go from your team ever. He should, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, he should retire a blue bomber. He, he's that he's that good a guy and that great a player that he should retire a blue bomber. Original free agent to the blue bombers. He should spend his whole career here. I agree with you. He's uh, one of my favorite players on a bunch of different levels and his interaction with the fans i always give players a little bit of an extra an extra bump in terms of how valuable i see them based on how they interact with the fans uh, this is a guy that's part of the community but big hill is as well has moved here full-time <laughs> willie's moved here full-time uh jackson i i think might but eh, you know i think he likes his warm winters just a little bit too much and and, and those four guys, you know, talk about, I mean, these guys are, are, are all big Hill, uh, and Jefferson for sure. Hall of famers. Yeah. Like those, they're a lock yeah. for Canadian football hall of fame. Uh, Jeff coat and Alexander, a lock for blue bomber hall of fame. And a couple of those guys might end up in the ring of honor. But how much stock do you put when we talk about the the greats? And when you look at those names that are currently in that ring of honor, how much stock do you put in that whole idea of, you know, uh, non-Winnipeggers becoming quote-unquote Winnipeggers? Because there are a lot of players on that list and in that ring that have done exactly that, DT. Does it play into it, do you think, in terms of the committee that that decides on these things? I don't have a real good answer for that. I would, I would hope that it does because, I mean, I, I wonder if it does. I, I'd be curious to talk to somebody in, in that vein because it, it just makes them – I feel like I love them more when they make Winnipeg their home, right? That Doug Brown came from far, far away, came here, dominated for more a decade plus in the Canadian Football League, and now, you know, more than a decade after he re retired – Still, still a Winnipegger, right? You know, had his uh, had his uh, kid here, and and uh, still a Winnipegger. It just adds a little extra layer to it, right? When when Willie Jefferson says, "Come on down to Winnipeg," you know, he, you know come live near Willie, come near Willie, live near Willie and Holly in the gang, right? Right. It, it just it, to me, it just it does add an extra level. I'd be, I don't know what goes into that, but you're not. I mean, you're right that there's. There are multiple. We had this conversation on a pregame show last year, and I, I had like eight guys on the on the team that should be Ring of Honor guys <laughs> at some point, or could be Ring of Honor guys at some point in their career. Right. And yeah, Willie and Biggie are are the first two uh, on the defensive side for now. Yeah. We heard from Cam Poitras, and the unwavering loyalty he he spoke of was his own 
to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, Cam uh, very passionately defended his love for the Blue Bombers despite living in Alberta for several years in BC. And I've been under that pressure as well. Oh, come on. You don't live there anymore. You got to come and cheer for this team. And you know you're true blue when you when you push back any of those advances. So, uh, Cam... Congratulations to you. Well, well, well done. Well but, done, sir. But it's okay to mock anyone else who comes here for not being a Bomber that's right. fan. That's right. Okay. I, don't, I don't typically do that. I don't typically do that. I'm I'm very actually respectful of people who who are very loyal to their teams. I was giving Clay Young a hard time for waffling on the fact that he was a Riders fan for all his life, and now he switched to the Blue Bombers. So so where's his his genuine loyalty? <laughs> we have to suss that out still. Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in Hamilton, getting set to face the Montreal Alouettes in Sunday's Grey Cup game at Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, and the Blue Bombers landed in Hamilton last evening, and we'll get their first look at the stadium today, the same place they won their second consecutive championship in a thrilling 33-25 overtime victory over the hometown Tiger Cats back in December of 2021. Let's look back at how the Blue Bombers earned their place in this week's game and get the table set for what's to come. It's the Bombers and Lions, and a trip to the Grey Cup will be decided 60 game minutes from now. First and 10 from the Bombers' 35-yard line. Tight end and the fullback in the game. They'll toss it to Mizell Trickery. They'll give it back to Adams on the old flea flicker. And he's sacked! Three Bombers converge, including Kyrie Wilson and Ricky Walker for the sack. They drop play to Oliveira. Trying to cut back instead of five. Oliveira's going to push. They're going to shove wow. him toward the end zone. Where will he get wrestled down? Zach wants the touchdown. And it is a touchdown! Oliveira was hit up four yards short. Five hoggies drove him into the end zone, and the Bombers lead at 6-3. Grant fourth in the league in punt return average this season. The one touchdown, the CFL play of the year. Blocked! 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 It's blocked, and the Bombers have it inside the 15. They scoop it up, and they're down inside the five. Still pushing to the end zone for the touchdown. Nick Hallett. Nick Hallett with the score. And the Bombers lead at 14-3. I need to see that again because you can't hit the punter under any circumstances. And I hope it stands. After automatic review, the ruling on the field stands. We have a touchdown. Touchdown, Bombers. They lead it 14-3. Blitz coming off the edge. Five-man rush. Tipped up. Balls in the air. Who's got it? Bodies are everywhere. Intercepted. Flagged down as well. Kyrie Wilson has it in his hands and his helmet is off. Two flags are down, but at the moment, it's Blue Bombers football. Adams wants the gun. Come back. Picked, Picked off. off. Well done, Demario. Houston's got it. 45, 50, 55. Houston. Man, did he ever see that one coming. Adams signaling out with his loud crowd noise. Two, one on the play clock. He just gets it off. Five-man rush. Adams, pressure from Cole. He's down again. Sack number nine. Adams is going to hum this one up for Rhymes, who just runs it into a Parker and is picked off. Home is racing back the other way. 50, 40, 30, 20. Score, young man, score. And Adams will drag him down unless he laterals it. He just actually threw it up in the air as the whistle had blown. But Evan Holm with the interception. 
and it's Bomber's ball, and they're going back to the Grey Cup. Zach Kolaris kneels down, has a celebratory headbutt with Brady Oliveira. Kolaris pumps the ball into the East Stands as for the first time since 1982, a team is going to a fourth straight Grey Cup. Zach, what's your impression of this game? Uh, just total team effort. Uh, got a bunch of messages from guys around the league just, you know, just congratulating us on a, just a total uh, team effort, complimentary football, however you want to say it. I mean, Nick Hallett blocking the, blocking the punt, then returning it. Um, you know, Janarian was great all night with the field position stuff. I thought Jameson was unbelievable. Uh, Serge, Serge did a great job um, in, in tough conditions with the win. Uh, the defense, I don't think, gave up any points, minus the Hail Mary there. They were unbelievable. I mean, uh, sorry I had a beer. I can't really <laughs> That's hurt right now. The excitement is building among Winnipeg Blue Bombers fans. We'll see you there. We're going tomorrow. Henry Hewen thinks the team is set to beat out the Montreal Alouettes and take home the trophy. We are pumped. Uh, after the weekend's results, uh, we're off to Hamilton Wednesday, and it's going to be a great time, and we're going to have another cup in Winnipeg. This will be Henry's 32nd consecutive trip to the Grey Cup Championship. CFL fans travel really well. Whether you're in the game or you're not in the game, they love coming to the game. Uh, it's very social. There's so many things going on. I mean, you know, Tigertown and sort of, the, for me, the spirit of Edmonton for years has been such a big event. The Edmonton Elks of 1977 to 1982 were the last time a team went even four times in a row. It's been that long. And there's been dominant teams since then, right? The Calgarys of the 2010s and even the Ottawa Red Blacks of the 2010s. But they couldn't do it four years in a row. They would do three and four. This will be the first time Winnipeg has met Montreal in the final. They won in 84 and they won in 88 and they won in 90. So three, three championships in six seasons. Um, so now my son or our son is, uh, you know, uh, 14. Um, so it's kind of, you know, similar thing for him now where he's, he's kind of living through a, a team that's, you know, a contender year after year. Honestly, I want to see them kill Montreal yeah <laughs> why not I wonder this week what's the most important thing you want to do for your team eliminate distractions for them it's a busy week and the, the vets have a good understanding of it so it's 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 a probably a slightly easier job than it was our first time uh, in 2019 just try to make it uh, as easy a week on them as possible in terms of flow and efficiency and making sure they have the time they need to feel as prepared as possible. They don't need any rah-rah speeches. They, they, they don't need anything like that. They just need peace, right, so they can focus on, on their job because that's what they want to do. They want to be able to have the time to watch the film they want to watch, to be with their teammates, to have dinner with them, to get the sleep they need, to practice hard, right? They want their time. So if I can do that for them, if I can help them get that, then then that's good. It's a week filled with distractions of, oh, hey, guys, you got to get on a bus or in a car and go down to Niagara Falls for the awards. And, oh, our practice time, we don't get to pick it. No, you got to do an hour and a half of media here. There's a lot asked of players and coaches and everybody on the team during Grey Cup week. It can be busy if you look at it that way. If you just take it in stride, if you can just relax and say, oh, well, here we go, then uh, you won't get too worked up. But so trying to keep, like I said, trying to keep things peaceful. DT and GMAC are off to the hammer tomorrow on the ground to get 
all the insight they can gather from the bombers and alouettes and, of course, the sounds and flavor of the Grey Cup Festival itself. Yeah, I can't wait to see all the blue and gold fans who will converge on Hamilton and the surrounding area. Blue Bomber fans love to go to Grey Cup and support their team. The CFL announced yesterday the game is a complete sellout, but, you know, there are always tickets available, uh, alternate means. Uh, How about this text from Bill Brett? Bruce Springsteen was set to play in Montreal on the 20th until concert postponement. I kept my flight so I'll be in the belly of the beast watching the Bombers in a Montreal sports bar. <laughs> yes, I'll bring my Bomber swag. And radio family member Eve sent us a picture with the caption, how loud was it on Saturday at IG Field? Well, Eve and his brother and sister-in-law shook their cowbells to the point of destruction Saturday and a big fat blister for Eve to uh, fans get injured as well. Uh, many people have asked me why the game is in Hamilton again. That's just because of the pandemic. Things were constrained in terms of the different entertainment, the different celebration, the different venues. It was not the celebration that Hamilton had anticipated throwing in 2021. So the CFL turned around and let them give, get a second crack at it this year. Yeah, because the cities that host the Grey Cup, they really rely on that, right? And Huge. That's part of the reason why... They've moved the the East and West Finals to Saturday, but moving the Grey Cup could be a big more of a challenge in terms of like it would actually potentially hurt the whole city. I I would argue that it would. Yeah, it could take away a, a one night of hotel and and genuine celebration and and people converging and coming from out of town. So the start with McGarry and Mackling. McNabb is off this week. Greg Thursday and Friday from Hamilton and Derek Taylor with multiple updates through the week and then on the weekend. Yeah, that's right. I don't have an absolute confirmation on this, but if our programming is the same as it's been the last three Grey Cups, we will have a Grey Cup Saturday special on Saturday afternoon and a pregame special Sunday. And then, of course, post-game coverage from the moment the game ends Sunday night from Hamilton. And then a very sleepy Greg returns to Winnipeg next week. <laughs> yeah. But it'll be fun. That's my favorite, favorite four, five, six days of the year. You know, Dieter Brock had his, uh, um, shall we say, tumultuous relationship with Winnipeg. Uh, didn't leave here in 83 under the best circumstances. But I think that relationship was ultimately repaired. And Brock won two at the time, Shenley Awards as most outstanding player in the league, but never won the Grey Cup. In fact, the only Grey Cup he ever played in, he played for Hamilton, and guess who beat them? The Blue Bombers and the guy they traded Brock for, Tom Clements. Well, Dieter Brock is in the ring of honor, never won a Grey Cup. Tom Clements broke that 22-year drought as quarterback. His name is not in that ring of honor, and I highly doubt it will ever go there. It's it's interesting. There there are just various levels, right? Because not not every I expect I'd have to go back and look, but I'm assuming not every Hall of Famer is in the Bombers Ring of Honor. Certainly not every Blue Bomber Hall of Famer is is not in the Ring of Honor. There's different uh, different levels to it. It's the it's a super special. Like uh, James Murphy gets in this year. Uh, Bob Irving a couple of years ago. Joe Poplowski, I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, it's it's. It, it really takes a special player, and we're we're blessed, right? The Bombers going to four Grey Cups in a row, and it who knows what 2024 and twenty twenty five bring, but it, there's the potential for even more. And you go, oh man, well, 
that's going to put guys like Nick Dembski into play. And Zach Kolaris is absolutely going in. Sure. Um, he's getting into every Hall of Fame ever, from, <laughs> from Steubenville to Winnipeg and everywhere in between. Um, Nick, uh, yeah, Dembski. Oliver is still super young in his career, but if he stayed if he stayed a long time in Winnipeg, that would, that would be an absolute lock. A guy like Pat Newfeld. I mean, I don't know if he's the ring of honor. Well, he's a multiple-time All-Star. Right. He's been here for a decade. Stanley Bryant is a lock. That guy's maybe the best offensive lineman ever. Man, Jamarcus Hardrick. I'm just going to keep naming guys and go, yeah, all those guys too. Holy cow. Um, imagine if Dalton Schoen, he, I can't imagine he will, but imagine if he stayed long-term. Um, yeah, it's we are incredibly blessed. And I, I hope Bomber fans, I hope no one takes for granted and, you know, uh, there are other other teams where they're going. Well, this is this was crap, and we're awful, and this is this is terrible. And there's some revisionist history going on with certain parts of. Well, we never should have let these two guys go because now they're leading Montreal to the Grey Cup. Let's just let's just remember this is amazing. This is unbelievable with where the Bombers are right now and how blessed we are that they've been able to put and keep this group of guys together, and that these guys all chose to stay together when, you know, you could not blame had Adam Big Hill wanted to go somewhere else and make a bunch of money, had Willie Jefferson, wanted, if it had been important to him and his family to be the highest paid defensive player in the CFL, he could have been in a few markets now that would have given him significantly more money than he makes in Winnipeg. So, I mean, bless and all credit to them for for finding what they really wanted and finding it here in Winnipeg. Yeah. And you know, and this conversation brought to you by four straight gray cup appearances, because you're not having this discussion otherwise in terms of a lengthy number. I think you ended up at eight there that really, uh, depending on how the next couple of years go, uh, may be eligible, worthy of consideration for, for sure that are going in. I wonder if we could uh, put Bryant and Hardrick together and put them in at the same time because, you know, they kind of go hand in glove with one another. And, that, and that's really why I wanted to go down that avenue, just to highlight how special this time is. And the Bombers have done that, right, in their history. They won the, their first two Grey Cups in 35 and 39. And then they went, they went almost 20 years without, I think, going back to the Grey Cup. And then they uh, then they end up, they win in 58 and 59. They didn't go in 60. Then they win again in 61 and 62. So that's four and five years. And then they went, they went 15 years without, or with 22 years without winning the Grey Cup all the way to 1984. And then they win in 84, 88, 90. That's sort of my youth. And, and so the, the sort of mini dynasty they had then, but those were not the same players for the most part, uh, especially 88. And they, their quarterback was Sean Salisbury. Um, the Bombers were nine and nine. It was one of those fluke years. And then we know what happened after 1990. So the Bombers, who have played, this will be their 28th Grey Cup as a franchise. Most of any team in the league, they're looking for their 13th championship overall since 1935. But they've Mm -hmm. won all their Grey Cups sort of in these chunks. Two here, four there, three there, and now, uh, God willing, uh, three out of four years here in the uh, uh, 2019 through 2023. 
Well, and, and that's the thing that as, a, as an observer of sports and as a, as a fan of sports, I, I, I always say in every sport, like, if you have a chance to win a title, you have to absolutely sell out to do it. Uh, on the other side of it, when the run is done, I will be happy to support you when you go four and 14 in this example, right? Whenever, whenever all the big dogs retire and the bombers are, if they're in, if you're in, you know, the mire at, on the other side of that and finish four and 14, I'll be like, yep, absolutely worth it because this run was that special. And these, these gray cup rings, you know, look at, look at this, uh, Kenny Lawler's flashing four gray cup rings from that era. So it's it's bad that they were they had finished dead last in the West this year, but Kenny Lawler's got four Grey Cup rings that he can celebrate. Stuff like that, right? You just have to that and the Bombers they keep going for it. They, they oh Zach Kalaris, uh we need to re-sign him to a three-year deal for six hundred grand a year. Done. We need to do this. Okay, cool. Done. We need to give Kenny Lawler. We need to overweight ourselves in what we're paying receivers and re-sign Kenny Lawler. Done. Let's do it. I I. I love that uh, they're they're going for it because you, you just how often like you talked about 1990 what was it 29 years between Grey Cups yeah and yeah you avoid those droughts and when when it's your time when all of a sudden an all world quarterback like Zach Kolaris comes on the market and it works for your team all right let's double down let's keep running let's keep going for it uh, and let's let's ride her till she bucks us as they were if we can get to 2025. And a great cup at home, and we're in it. Let's keep going. Let's push that year too. Well, because um, the the droughts the droughts are coming for for every team. So mm -hmm. yeah, you have to celebrate it and try to let, do whatever you can to keep it going while it's happening. Yeah, well said, DT. I'm Skylar Peters. Welcome into the film room. For better or worse, often in the Canadian Football League, two teams seem on a crash course to meet in a game that decides a whole lot late in the regular season. And as the weeks wore on in the 2023 campaign, it became increasingly clear that game would be played between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and BC Lions. The Leos landed the first punch at IG Field on the 22nd of June, a 30-6 victory in front of a stunned blue and gold faithful. Redemption for Zach Caleros and company on August 3rd, 50-14 for the Bombers, a display of dominance that set up an October 6th meeting that seemed like it would be for all the marbles. And the two months between those games set that up perfectly. The Bombers stumbled to losses against Saskatchewan and Hamilton, just as BC had done in back-to-back -back weeks in late August. So both teams met at BC Place at 11-4, and, and the all-important rubber match in the season series yet to be decided. Vernon Adams came out with something to prove, throwing it all over the field on the Bombers, but one big play kept that opening drive from becoming a major. Adams straight drop, he wants Whitehead on the streak. Whitehead running and broken up by Jamal Parker, what a play! The Lions settled for three, and after a rare miscue by Sergio Castillo trying to tie the game, the home side landed the first haymaker. Try the right-hand side, and Davis is in for the game's first touchdown. Winnipeg found themselves playing catch-up. It would be the theme for most of this game. 32-yard field goal attempt for Sergio Castillo. Missed his first kick and drills his second kick, and the Bombers are on the board. An encouraging drive ended in points. 
but on the very next play. Lofting it up, and it's completed the 40, 30, 20, rhymes on the run, 10, 5, touchdown. Javon Katoy just got an inch away from Winston Rose, and the Lions have a huge score. The Lions suddenly up 17-3. The Bombers reeling. Time for Caleros and his cast to try that explosiveness thing. As the blitz comes, Caleros stands in there. He guns Schoen, comes open. 40-35, Schoen down to the 30-yard line. Arian Grant in as a receiver on this one. He'll motion right to left across the formation. Now back to the right. Fake it. They want it. It's Grant in the slot at the 10, the 5. Janarian Grant to the end zone for the touchdown. And after a quick punt by the Lions, the visitors suddenly had a chance to tie it. They'll fake it to Oliveira. Kalar sets, throws it up for Schoen, a second man in coverage, and is picked off at the 10-yard line. The safety, Adrian Green, read that one. It was a hair pass Schoen, and there's the first turnover for Kalaris. He got held. I thought I threw a, a, a pretty good ball, but... It, you know, I got to do a better job. You can't do that when the guy's there. The Bombers would take their frustrations into the locker room at half, down 20-10 to 10 after a late Sean White field goal. And after Castillo and White traded three pointers for three straight possessions, Winnipeg was on the doorstep late in the third with an opportunity to tie it. Three-man rush. Kalaris has time. He runs oh. right into Matthew Betts. Fumble balls down, and it's in the hand of one of the Lions. Tehema has it. Kalaris... Tried to spin back to his right, but he spun, spun right into a full-speed Matthew Betts. They rule a fumble, and it's Lions football. The mistakes seemed more devastating as the clock dwindled down, and it seemed like those chances would eventually stop coming. But Winnipeg got the ball back and made their way to the BC-19. Kalaris pressure from the middle, and he's going to be sacked, and they won't... Are they going to say he stripped it? The BC Lions are running to the end zone, Nick Dembski going to chase, blockers, the cutback, and Oliveira makes a tackle at the 33-yard line. They're going to say he stripped it away from Kalaras. Now that sliver of doubt that existed in the minds of Blue Bombers fans was probably starting to take up a big slice of the belief now pie. Up, and Sean White, so it's good, with 5.51 remaining, BC 26. Winnipeg 16. It was time to engineer another drive, and this time, any miscue would end their hopes at coming back in this game. Man, at that point, just let it rip. Fake the hand up to Oliveira. Lawler in the flat, 35, turns it up, spun around him, and kept his feet, 40, 45. Lawler inside, 50. Big play from Kenny Lawley. Oliveira, this is going to be great. 35, 30, 25, jumps, and he's down inside the 25-yard line. First down, Bombers. This time, they'd get onto the doorstep and knock down the door. the line of scrimmage. Five will rush. Kalaris has time. He gets a wide open for the touchdown. Beautifully done. Drew Wolitarski touchdown with 2.20 to go and the Bombers are within four. Now it was time for the defense to step up on what they would admit was not their finest night to this point. At third and one near midfield. First down for the Lions, essentially ends it. Davis sneaks, he pounds forward. And Big Hill's got it! He's racing off the field, the Bombers got the third down stop! And as he so often does, the leader of this defense comes up big when his team needed him most. Castillo would tie things up, but there were still seconds left on the clock for the Leos. 
Ben Rush. Adams gunning high and tipped up. Rhymes has it, 45, and he's running 30. Broke the tackle. Dominic Rhymes down inside the 10. Zero's on the clock. Zero's on the clock, and we're going to overtime. Game-saving tackle. Greatest football game ever played. And when the Bombers got the ball first, it seemed like there was nothing BC could do to start. Dancing, pushing forward by Brady Oliveira for the touchdown! Brady Oliveira puts the Bombers up 32 to 26. Allowing just six points in the second half and two game-saving plays, defense took the field, hoping to close the curtain. Three-man rush, he's on a roll to his right. Couple extras come, Adams got him. Sacked! Ricky Walker with the sack at the 43. Three-man rush for the Bombers. Adams lofts it up for Dominic Grimes on Parker. Jump ball, hole broken up! And the Bombers win! And the Bombers will win the CFL's West Division! They were down 10 with under three to go! We've seen it so many times over this nearly four season long run. The Bombers found a way to win. Really showed what we're about, man. Toughness, grit, you know, belief in each other. And even during the jubilant celebration here in living rooms across Winnipeg in the wee hours of October 7th by then, the thought of this meeting today lingered in the back of fans' minds. Because following these 60 minutes, or maybe a little extra of football, who won a game in week 18 between these two teams won't matter at all. They say, to the victor go the spoils. But what really awaits in Hamilton next week is the biggest challenge of the year. And for both these teams here today, winning this game and taking on that challenge is the only option. Lions and Bombers, part four, coming up next on 680 CJOB. We'll set up the Grey Cup throughout the week. Uh, we we may post our stuff here to the to the podcast feed throughout the week, and of course, tune in all week long. Derek Taylor will have Grey Cup reports, twenty five after the hour sports throughout the day. Both Derek and I will be in Hamilton speaking to show hosts and and breaking into day parts <laughs> throughout the week, and then we've got our Saturday special and our Grey Cup pre-game and post-game coverage. So there'll be lots of time to talk about the Montreal Alouettes and the, and the problem that they pose for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But just the last thing on this whole idea of, of this, this special time, as I keep referring to it as in terms of the Blue Bombers and the fans and just wrapping their, their arms around this team, Zach Caleros 
came to Winnipeg at the very last moment on trade deadline day. Like when you go back and you look at how close he was to not coming to Winnipeg, we can have that discussion another time. But what I want to bring up is Kyle Walters and the fact that he recognized and Wade Miller, I'm sure, and Mike O'Shea, they recognized the roster of players and the, the talent that they had assembled outside of that quarterback position. All due respect to Matt Nichols, who was injured in 2019. All due respect to Chris Trevler, who played on one wheel for the last third of the season and through the playoffs. But they realized that they had the pieces at every other position, but they needed a star quarterback to take them over the hump. And my God, how different history would be had Toronto not traded and accepted that fifth round pick at the last moment for Zach Caleros. It's it's one of the crazier stories in the history of the Canadian Football League in terms of player acquisition. Yeah, it, because when does a guy like that come on the market, right? You're now, are you talking about uh, Bo Levi Mitchell never left. I mean, never really left Calgary. He's now in Hamilton, but the great Bo Levi Mitchell is, it, it will forever have been in Calgary. Michael Riley went to BC, but there was, that wasn't, uh, he's free to anybody, right? He's not, Edmonton was never going to trade Michael Riley and, and not BC wouldn't have either. And he could still be rolling there. Just these great quarterbacks. They just, I, I don't see them getting to market very often because you know what you have and you re-sign them for as long as you can. And it, it just, it's a testament to Zach with, man, his value after 2018 uh, was was not high. He had more touch, more interceptions than touchdowns that year in Sask and then the concussion on the third play of the game, third offensive play of that game in 2019 into Toronto. And he was kind of forgotten about, I think, but, I, I'll never forget being on Saskatchewan radio uh, the day that trade comes through. I was doing the radio live, and, oh, Toronto has traded Zach Kolaris to Winnipeg. And I thought, oh, I think the Riders were in first place that day, but they were either that or jockeying with Calgary. And Winnipeg was in third, and I'm like, I said on the radio, I'm like, I'm now officially scared of, of the Bombers because I know what Kolaris can do. We saw it in Hamilton. When, when conditions in Hamilton were good, he was the best player in the CFL. And conditions in Winnipeg are going to be good. And, yeah, I don't couldn't have predicted four consecutive Grey Cup appearances. But you take the best quarterback in the league and you put him in, a, in an optimal situation with protection and receivers and you get back-to-back MOP awards and, and maybe should have been up for a third one if, they, if they'd done voting a little differently. Uh, it's, it, it's incredible. But just the the butterfly effect. One day, mm. GMAC, we can sit down for forty five minutes and just go over the butterfly effect of Simone Lawrence's hit to yep. Zach Kolaris's head in in the opening game of the twenty nineteen season. Yeah, it it changed the life of of sports fans forever. And probably, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and there are probably two other things maybe bizarre like that that uh, happened in CF or in Winnipeg sports history that are similar. One is Bobby Hall signing with the Jets. Uh, the Jets yeah. have been pestering him, the WHA, and he basically told his agent, can you tell them to bugger off? I'm not, I'm not going to Winnipeg. And finally his agent said to him, like, is there a number that you would consider? Yeah, tell them a million bucks. 
<laughs> and a week later, uh, Winnipeg has your million bucks. And Bobby oh. sort of as a man of his word said, well, I guess I'm going to Winnipeg. And then the other butterfly effect thing has to do with Wayne Gretzky and how when the Indianapolis, when the Indianapolis racers disbanded and were sold, Nelson Scalbania, who was a, a Edmonton, Edmontonian, Edmond business owner, uh, sold the, the Indianapolis racers. Gretzky and Scalbania got on an airplane and Gretzky tells this story. They got on the plane and he didn't know if he was going to be landing in Winnipeg or landing in Edmonton. And well, you know how the story ends, but Jets fans um, um. <laughs> will lament the fact that uh, Rudy Pillis, the general manager at the time, sort of suggested that Gretzky was uh, too small and, and, and wouldn't succeed. Ultimately, the Jets knew they were going to the National Hockey League the following season or in two seasons. And they, all these things came into effect. And so, yeah, those are the two things that I look at and go, boy, oh, boy. Uh, you compare that to what happened with Zach Caleros, especially when you've seen the, this sort of uh, unprecedented or or success that's happened only once before in this market and only a handful of times in the CFL period. Let's leave it there, DT. Lots of conversation to have all week in Hamilton about Montreal, what they might be able to do, the friendship between Sean Lemon and Zach Caleros and uh, see how long that lasts on Sunday because it's the it's the Alouette's defense really that the Bombers I think have to worry about uh I think so they did just hang 47 on them 10 weeks ago so uh just to make you uncomfortable before we go Bombers by 23 is that what we're doing all right DT Cutting it off there. I will let that stand. But we have a history. We have a history, you and I, when it comes to making predictions like this. And uh, no, you want me to keep, take that out? <laughs> no, I, uh, a buddy texted me. I said, hey, are you going to the Bomber game against BC? And he, and he said, yeah. I said, cool. Bombers by 11. And, and it turned out the Bombers six days later won by 11 points. I'm like, yeah, I got this nailed. So Bombers Ooh. by 23. Thanks, DT. See you in the hammer. So that's it. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday night's Coaches Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it, and listen to it at your leisure. You can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you for spending some time with us.